Good ideas are like red wine. They need time in the cellar for refinement. Here's where I keep mine. Welcome to 55 Degrees. In the last episode, I talked about how I am learning to relate to God according to his identity and his role as my father in heaven. And this may not make sense to you. And that's why I think God is referred to by many identities. I'm not claiming the corner on the market, but I am offering you my view of the intersection from my corner. If an accident happened at that particular intersection and four of us were on the different corners of that intersection, we would likely have four different descriptions of the wreck that just happened in front of us. And looking toward God is a little like that. His person and his being is so infinite, so vast and beyond comprehension. But he places pictures in front of us to give us a little glimpse into how to try to begin to understand him. And why do I believe it is so important to embrace the identity of God as Father? Well, it was the primary way Jesus spoke of him. He said, I come from my Father in heaven, and I come to do what my Father desires. I do everything in my Father's name. And he even taught us to pray out of that identity, our Father who art in heaven. It is the most personal of identities that we can step into. Despite the failure of some fathers, the presence of a failed father does not negate the importance of the role a father was meant to play. Standards exist in all areas of our life. The measurement of the pound that shows when I step on the scale reveals to me that I am above the standard weight for my age group. I can settle with feeling poorly and risk other health complications by not taking that seriously. I can say screw it and avoid dealing with it, but I know in my heart that I'm carrying 20 more pounds than I would like. And it's the standard of the scale that's helping me assess that. When I confront a standard, I can either lower that standard, reject the standard entirely, or see it as something to attain, something to aspire to become. And this is very easy to do with our fathers. If he was absent, it's quite easy to dismiss his importance by thinking, I'll do fine without him. One friend told me that he never had a conversation with his dad growing up, and his dad lived at home. See, I can't imagine that, nor can I imagine doing that to my kids. Others can describe disappointment with a father that was abusive, and it's very understandable and very difficult to have a good image of father if that was the case. And I feel fortunate that I had what I would describe as a good dad. He told me he loved me often. He spent time with me, 
taught me lots of practical skills like carpentry, how to do electrical work, how to change spark plugs in an old Ford pickup. He was full of wisdom and insight, but he's been gone for 15 years. So what do I miss most about him? What would I give to experience from him? It's easy. I want to hear him speak again. I want his advice on things. I want his perspective on my widowhood. I want his take on COVID. I want to know his take on the upcoming election. I want to know if he thinks the Huskers will field a team in 2020. I want to talk to him again. And I want this so I can know him better. Because that's what kids want from their father. That is the ideal of a father. And that's why God wants us to come to him as a father. So in this episode, I want to describe how this has become a reality for me as I relate to my father in heaven. And I describe it like this. I am developing an ongoing conversation with him. And my learning to converse with God is, it's the outcome of going through some very deep personal loss in the last four years. Started in late 2016 when I went through a loss of business, a bankruptcy, and then eventually sitting by and watching a long and painful death of my wife. God became very real to me. And I will unfold this story because I think someone might find it life-giving. There's something I believe about hearing God that is deeply misunderstood. And here are some assumptions that I will address. One is the assumption that it's hard to hear from God, that he's elusive, he's distant. And I just don't find that to be true any longer. No relationship benefits from poor communication. And to that, I would ask why? What is gained from the idea of God being distant and hard to hear? Who wins? Who benefits from that belief? Many didn't have a dad that was even present, let alone saying he loved you. How does God benefit from following that example and not wanting to speak to you clearly as a son or daughter? I just, I just do not buy that anymore. The other assumption is that he doesn't really speak the way I'm describing. Now that we have the Bible, God only speaks through it. And for me to say God speaks to me on a regular basis, for some that's a form of heresy. And I'll have more to say on that later. But to me, the thought process doesn't line up. God spoke through his prophets and his spirit, but eventually decided to write a book and now somehow has stopped communicating outside of that book. It just doesn't resonate with me. And again, I'll, I'll share more of that later. But what I want to do is help make room for intuition and emotion. That's been so helpful for me as I learn to listen to the voice of God. See, I'm not an intellectual. I hate to argue. I do like dialogue with someone I disagree with, but I, I can't defend my point in a debate. 
I process thoughts slowly and I access emotion and intuition to assist me in that process. See, I was raised in a spiritual environment that elevated logic and reason, and it left me wondering what to do with the other side of my soul. But these, these stories that I'm sharing, they come from something that's welling up deep in me. And tuning into the voice of God once again is something that has brought me a tremendous amount of joy over the years, and I just feel compelled to share it. Joy is my motivating outcome now for everything I do. I make decisions with joy in mind because sorrow lasts for the night, but joy always comes in the morning. Sorrow is temporary. Joy is eternal and sorrow comes to pass, but joy comes to stay. So how do I talk to God? How do I communicate with him and vice versa? Some of the practical-minded folk listening to this are thinking, yeah, what does that look like? Well, here's some things I do intentionally in developing my conversation with God. Scripture says that God is spirit. He's not physical flesh. So he is worshipped in our spirit via the Holy Spirit. And I've never heard the audible voice of God, but many have, and I would never deny that experience. And the minute I begin to say what God can and cannot do, I'm headed for an awakening. But for me, I've never heard him audibly, but I've heard him unmistakably. And I'm sure you're wondering what that means. And I will describe my practice. And it is just that it is a practice, a practice of slowing down, getting quiet enough, paying attention to the signals that will alert me to what God is saying. And I usually begin in the morning, first thing every, every day. I'll get up, go to the bathroom, make a cup of coffee, let the dog out, and I'll sit still for at least 30 minutes or longer. And that's when I begin my conversation. I'll pick up where I left off. I get in a place where I can talk out loud I pray audibly because I can get easily distracted if I don't. Even though I don't hear his audible voice, I can hear mine. And talking out loud helps me keep my thoughts in order. And I usually start with the emotions of my first thoughts on waking up. Did I have, it, did I have any dreams? Was my sleep restful or fitful? Where did that leave me in the morning? Am I anxious at all? If so, what about? And these become my starting points for my conversation with my Father in Heaven. And I'll talk to Him just like I'm talking to you right now, believing that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. And what is that reward? Well, think of it this way. The Father that named His Son Word... The one who spoke and things appeared. The one who said heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. I believe that reward is to hear from him. His words are so choice and precious to him. How would they not be a reward for us?
And just as I long to hear from my earthly father who's been gone for quite some time, how much more my heavenly father wants to reward me with his words. Words of affirmation, of solace, of truth. Words of kindness and healing that bring connection with him. I say that's a pretty good reward in my opinion. Well, often I'll write things down as they come, the thoughts, and I'll sit and allow him to address any of them as he wills. And I listen. So what does that sound like? Well, let me describe what it doesn't sound like. One, he's not mean. And if the voice in your head is mean-spirited, disregard it. Because we all have voices in our head, and mine are mostly negative. And those are the ones that are usually the loudest. So I have learned quickly to recognize them for what they are and move past them. If I engage in negative self-talk, you know, like, oh, God, I really screwed up or God, I'm so stupid for saying that. That kind of negative talk, that is not the voice of God. He does not shame us. And learning to hear God isn't so much about did I hear him or not? Is my willingness to listen and get distracted by all those other voices? A huge part of the process in the practice of listening is distinguishing those different voices. So what does his voice sound like? Well, to me, in my heart, it's always kind. There's never a word from him that is not kind. And it's always tied to a word of scripture. And he'll always lead me someplace to a word. And when he got my attention at age seven, 17, he used a variety of means to speak to me. A friend's conversation, a gospel tract. There was a newspaper article that had a big influence. But also in my conscience, as a 17-year-old kid laying on my bed at night wondering what's life about. And I could go on. But his starting point could be anywhere. But he will always lead me back into the written word of Scripture. And through these stories is where his nature is further revealed to me. In the morning, on my second cup of coffee... I listen to a song of the day and I'll usually post that on a Facebook site with a little line of lyrics because music has a way of speaking to me deeply. And through this year of loss, I've looked for a song every day that will speak to me. And I allow that music to touch my heart. And then it usually comes a little more freeform. One of the my one of my favorite practices is listen to scripture. And listening has taken on a new importance to me. Reading has become a lesser part of this time. I will read later in the day, but in the morning I like to listen because that puts me in the right frame of mind to hear. And I don't discount reading, and I've done that for years. But listening to a chapter or two of Scripture gives me a different mental picture than just reading. And that's the way my mind works. 
It took years to accept this about myself, but that reading is not my best source of input right now. One thing that is different now is I don't try and do it all. I learn, I'm learning to lean on God's agenda for that conversation, not on trying to strike a balance. Someone asked me, well, what about reading through the Bible in a year? And I, my quick answer is, I don't. That's not on the agenda right now. Deuteronomy isn't on the agenda. Ten keys to successful living isn't on the agenda. Those will come in time, but I stay focused on what Holy Spirit is impressing on me right now. And that is being fully loved as a son toward his Father in heaven. I am putting my full attention on understanding that right now. I, in turn, get insight into this identity by being a father myself. I love my son. He's growing and maturing as a fine young man. He had some rough years in high school. Who didn't? My agenda, or better, my desire for him is to not draw him backward to those days. I want to keep him growing and maturing, not worrying about every way he thinks he may have disappointed me or let me down when he was a kid. If I, as a heavenly, as an earthly father, want that, how much more my heavenly father wants me to grow into full maturity and not wallow around in my past failures? As he said, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? See, I, I would never do anything to my son that my father in heaven wouldn't do to me. It's not that hard to comprehend. Well, how do I know that the voice that I'm hearing, how do I know it's God? Well, it's become very easy for me after having years of practice, and I think it should eventually be for anyone because he switches identities as he describes his sheep, hear his voice, and they know it. They recognize it. And there were three women on local radio here in town. They all have very distinct voices. And I served each of them separately in my restaurant on different occasions. And each time I recognized their voice, and I knew I had heard it before, but I didn't know who they were. And I said to each of them that their voice sounds familiar, and that's how the introduction was made. This was Jane from KLIN. This is Laura from NET. And Genevieve from The Verge. I recognized them by their voice. And our Father in Heaven is no different. We can learn what he sounds like. I regularly put myself in a position that makes sense to me in order to listen each morning. And I used to follow a plan to read through the Bible in a whole year. And now I can't even get out of Isaiah and Revelation. There's just too much. There's just too much going on to move away from. I, I can't consume the whole thing, but I can digest what he's showing me and wants to reveal to me. And as I learn to hear, I'm aware of those competing voices. And as I said, his voice is always kind. And I like to say, find the kindest voice in your head 
and follow that one. If it's not God, you're sure getting warmer. But it's, it's so important to have this understanding that God is kind to us. And as it's described in Romans, or do you show contempt for the riches of its, his kindness, his forbearance, and his patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? So who am I most responsive to? Someone who is kind or someone who is combative? No, I'm far more open to listen to you, even if I disagree with you, if you're kind to me. And that's why I believe the current dialogue in our social network and our, our political process will never be fixed until kindness is seen as an indispensable element for discourse. Progress will never be made while we're at each other's throats. And listening, listening is a learned process. You were, you were born not knowing how to speak, but you had the capacity and you learned how. If you didn't, your parents taught you other methods of communicating because part of growing and maturing is the process of learning to communicate with the emphasis on learning. And the Holy Spirit is the one that illuminates and reveals to us. It says he bears witness with our spirit. Something deep inside us is affirmed. It makes sense in ways that are indescribable. And this is where faith enters in. Trusting the connection that the Spirit is making. Holy Spirit is always excited about Jesus. I always come away with a deeper, more robust image of who he is. And if the person of Jesus is not becoming more interesting, more endearing, more fascinating, then I'm probably missing something. But see, here's the beauty of it all, of approaching God by faith, believing that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. The, the responsibility for communicating is with God, it's not on me. It is the role of the communicator to make sure the message is understood. If you don't understand me or can't hear me, that's on me. As a communicator, I need to tune into my audience and make sure I am speaking in a manner that they can hear and understand. If you are deaf, I can't expect you to understand my spoken words. I want to find a uh, an interpreter for you. For you to understand, that's on me as a communicator. God's been knocking on your door for quite some time now, and you probably didn't know what it was. And I hope my words today can help you dial into that knock, much like a frequency on a radio. Once you find the wavelength that the station is broadcasting on, the message is as clear as a bell. So keep paying attention. If you hear that knock, tell them you're open and be ready to listen. And thank you for listening to me. I'll see you next time.